This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Today, as we kind of wrap up this series, we're going to go to a passage of Scripture towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus pulls that parallel in. As he begins to wrap up this discourse on how we can live fully trusting Jesus. And so we're going to dive into that in Matthew 7 today. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me. Matthew 7, verse 7. Now this is a very familiar passage of scripture, but as we read through it, Do your best with me to pay attention to what Jesus is doing as he's drawing that connectivity between our relationship with him and the relationship that we have experienced on earth with our parents and as a parent with our our children. In verse 7, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock And the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? And if you then, though you are evil. That's very nice of Jesus to kind of point it out to us. Yeah, all right, we're evil. Um, If you then are evil, how and know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Again, Jesus is inviting us in this passage of scripture into the context of understanding something that we can easily identify with because in all of humanity we all have a parent you might not know your parents but biology right informs us that somehow we got here with parents and Jesus says Leveraging something that for across the board, most of humanity will understand. If you had a pretty good dad and you asked him for something when you were hungry, yesterday we decided to go to Walmart on Saturday afternoon because that's just fun, right? Because there's crazy people at Walmart on Saturday afternoon. And my daughter was hungry on the way there. Okay, an 18-month-old that's hungry is one of the most miserable creatures on the face of the earth. She was just not happy. And I want, I literally, I said, Amanda, do we got anything in that bag we can give her? And Amanda started fishing around the seat and she couldn't get her. I'm driving and I just one hand that bag, pick it up, put it in her lap, give her something. <laughs> because I understand 
If she's hungry, she needs something to eat. And God, through Jesus, is pointing to us and saying, Hey, if you get that, and you're evil, your hearts are wicked. If you get it, how much more does God get that for you? Jesus, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, is proving that we can trust God. And we live in a world that has taken that notion that we want to provide security for our kids to a whole different level. To quote the great preacher Craig Groeschel, he said, you know, when, when I was a kid, that little space in the back of the car right between the windshield and the back seat, that's where I took a nap when we were going on a long trip. But now kids are strapped in, got helmets, got safety jackets, strapped in with five-point harnesses. And when we're taking them somewhere, because we want them to be safe, we get that. And Jesus is saying, if you get it, how much more does God our Father get it? He's driving home the point that we can trust God. That we can trust God. And so this morning I would like to look at that topic of trust in the context of three different scriptures as we're going to pull them out, examine them, and then really kind of release you to live in security and not in fear. The first thing that I need you to understand as we begin to get into, and this is in your notes, is that you can't follow something if you don't trust it. You can't follow something if you don't trust it. And the invitation from Jesus is not, I will transform you and you will automatically start doing something different. The invitation is come and follow me. Now, in that, God transforms us. But the invitation is to follow him. And we can't follow Jesus if we don't trust him. And a lot of us, can I just mess with you for a minute? All right. A lot of us are where I was when I was in high school. Because we've heard all about trust in Jesus and trust in Jesus. And we're in Stanley County where there's a church on every corner. Okay? But when we've heard the term trust Jesus, most of us relegate that to my eternity. Jesus in my life wants to change where I'm going in eternity. But let me tell you something that Jesus wants to just change where you're going now. See, in the changing where you're going, he begins to transform you. Jesus needs you to trust him completely, not just with your eternity, but with your life, with everything. And the reason that so much of us is bound up in so much fear is that we have not fully trusted Jesus. Let's look at this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'm going to make some simple observations out of this. Read along, it'll be on the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. The first thing that I want to observe out of that passage of scripture is this, is that trust is cultivated. Trust is cultivated. Now, there is an initial moment when I make a decision to trust, but the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, uses the word paths. This is a journey. There is a place that in the future, when you are faithful on this journey, you will be that you are not now. You will take steps and progress and progress and go somewhere. Trust is cultivated. And if we're not willing to do the work of cultivating the trust, and we're going to get to that in this message, we will simply lean back on trusting something that is simple and not giving Jesus everything. Here's something else that I would point out to you. Trust does not mean that you don't have any more questions. Trust doesn't mean that all of your questions have been answered. As a matter of fact, this passage of Scripture points it out to the opposite of that. Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, you're not going to understand it. There's some things that God is going to ask you to do. Some part of the plan that he has for your life, that he has for all of our life, that just doesn't make sense. But God invites us as we trust him not to lean on our own understanding, but to lean on his, to trust in him. It doesn't mean, this is the second thing in there, that you understand completely. There will be times that God in your life will allow you to go through things. Providentially, he doesn't cause it. He doesn't make it happen. It doesn't mean that as we journey through life that we will even ever understand completely what God is doing in our lives. It just doesn't. Sometimes God is going to ask you to do something and it is thoroughly irrational. Towards the end of this message, I'm going to go into a couple of those things. But some of the stuff that God has laid out in his plan for our life, it just doesn't, when we line it up, sometimes it just doesn't make sense to the way that we rationally think about doing life. But the invitation from Jesus is not to live in agreement. So that kind of goes with the next thing. It doesn't mean that we're in complete agreement. Even when I get it. Sometimes I might just disagree with Jesus. And let me just tell you something in the future, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you from some pain and some problems. If you're arguing with Jesus, he's right, okay? Sorry. I mean, if in your mind, you're literally going, no, because I know you want me to do that, but no, you're wrong. No, he's not. Sorry, he's not. And there's going to be times. That's why the Bible's invitation is not to 
follow Jesus in agreement. It's to follow Jesus in submission. Submission implies that there's going to be times that I completely, thoroughly disagree. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't even fit in any spectrum of rational thinking that I have. This is what trust is. Trust is simply accepting Jesus. Trust is simply accepting Jesus. It's just that simple. Proverbs 3 says this, that if we trust in the Lord with all our heart. We're, we're, I'm, I'm putting my trust not in people, not in places, not in resources. I'm putting my trust in Jesus. It's accepting him. That's what trust is. And so, the reason that I wanted to bring this topic up as we begin to conclude this message series is because trust and fear live really at two different places and cannot uh, coexist together. I would like to read a passage of scripture. This comes out of uh, 1 John 4.18. This is, again, familiar, but let me... Frame this for you in this conversation of, of fear and trust. That there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. The writer John who's kind of like the romance novelist of the scripture writers because he is the one who is captivated by God's love. He's the one that in the painting of the Last Supper is leaned over, embracing Jesus with his head on his chest. John is this man who experienced firsthand the love of Jesus, the only disciple to not die to die a natural death after surviving several, as it is recorded, attempts on his life. One where he was reportedly boiled in oil and lived through it. This man late in his life is writing this passage and he is telling us that fear and faith cannot coexist. They can't coexist. Where fear is, it is the proof that there is no love, that there is no faith, that there is no trust. You see, fear can only exist in an area of our life that we haven't made Jesus the Lord over. And that sounds... Pretty, pretty normal. I mean, most of us screw up in churches that preach the gospel and we talked about making Jesus Lord of our lives. And a lot of us at some point in time responded to that message and went forward and knelt down. We prayed and we said, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. But is he really 
Lord of all of your life? Is he? Psalm 56, 3 through 4 says this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I shall not be afraid. You see, when I've put my trust in Jesus, I am not afraid. But for many of us, we would identify with the fact that there's areas right now in our lives and, and since we decided to preach on fear this month, that meant that this whole month I've had everything that I could possibly be afraid of happen all month long, right? It's been one of those. So when those things happen, when something breaks in your life, you're probably just like me. And there's this reaction inside and you go, uh-oh. And that. That reaction is an invitation to you. You see, fear, as we encounter it in life, is an invitation. It's an invitation to make Jesus Lord over something that we have held back from him. Those moments when fear begins to come up and we think, oh, man, I wonder if that person is, is talking about me again. Well, maybe I just need to decide that I'm not going to be afraid of them. And I'm not going to put my value in people's opinions. I'm going to put my value in what God's opinion is of me. And so today, as we kind of conclude this, I wanted to go back to some topics of that we pulled out earlier in the series and, and kind of readdress them in light of this. Re, readdress them in light of the fact that these are areas that are common among all of us that we struggle with fear. And again, fear in your life is an invitation to trust Jesus with an area that you have yet to let him be Lord over. And it might be one of them situations where you kind of give it to him and you take it back. And you give it to him and you take it back. Y'all do that some, you know what I'm talking about, right? I gave it to you, but now I want it back. And I can, I can handle it. Then, nope, I don't want it anymore. It's like a hot potato between you and Jesus, right? Not fun. Not a fun game at all to play. Not healthy for you. So let's go through them. First one is your relationships. Let's just put it first in, in a real common one in marriage. Um, if you live, and there are some of you that do this, and I know it's very real and it's very difficult. If you live in constant fear in your relationship with your spouse, that they will choose somebody else. If you live in constant fear 
in your relationship with your spouse that they will choose somebody else. You need to understand that that is an invitation from Jesus to make him Lord over your relationship and trust him with that. If you have friends that you worry about what they're going to do and how it's going to impact you, you worry about them doing something that could be hurtful to, to you because they've maybe been manipulative or hurtful or vindictive. If you have friends that you worry about them talking about you behind your back, if you have friends that you're afraid of what they might say about you if they really knew you. If they saw you with all the curtains down and saw into your life as you really are and you live in that fear of being found out and seen, it's an invitation from Jesus to make him Lord over your relationships, Lord over your reputation. Because listen, Jesus didn't care about his own reputation at all. He was happy to be called a friend of sinners. Those areas, if fear exists in those areas, it's an invitation For you to trust God completely. The second one, and I I believe that this is one of those things that is thoroughly devastating in our world. And that is people who live in fear in their careers. Now, there's all different kinds of that. In this room, there's some of you that are semi sort of self-employed. And if you've ever been self-employed, you understand that there's a kind of a feeling of this could go away at any moment. Like these clients could stop calling. They could fire me. They could find somebody else to do it cheaper. All of that kind of stuff. If that's you and those thoughts are things that rise up in your life. And you embrace it with fear. Let me tell you something. That's an invitation from Jesus to make him Lord over your business. Because if you feel like you have any control over that, you are living in an illusion. Maybe it's some of you who go to work and you, you work in a, in a corporate environment. Maybe you, you've worked really hard and you've given a lot to your job, but you're really scared about what your boss's opinion is of you. And when the boss comes around, there's kind of this fear that wells up inside of you. It's an invitation for you to make Jesus the Lord over your career because ultimately the opinion that should matter to us whether we're at home or in the marketplace is that of Jesus. Amen. That's the kind of people that we want to be. 
You see, when we mess that up, especially in that environment, we start to live for the wrong thing. That's just as deadly. Here's one that I have to be honest with you that even talking about it, I get this little cringe. And that's our families. You see, when Amanda and I wanted to have a child, it it didn't happen for us like um, other people. We have friends who have uh, some, some kids and they're like, if we sneeze in the bathroom together, we get pregnant, you know. So that, that wasn't the way it was for us, all right. It was one of those situations where we kind of prayed and hoped and, and God did a miracle. And I realized when we found out that we were pregnant with Adelaide, this, I realized that I can spend the rest of this pregnancy worrying about that child or I can trust Jesus. And you know, it's one thing when you, when you love your kids, and I know on Thursday morning they're going to take her away from me. And I want you to know that in that moment, I'm living in that decision. Is Jesus her Lord or am I? Am I her security? Am I the one that sustained her and held her together up until now? I can answer that question for you. I'm not. That's with our families. We have to, as parents, be parents that trust our children with Jesus. We have to be those kind. Because if we're not, we'll become manipulative and controlling and we'll run them out the door hating Jesus. Jesus gave them to us. Let's trust him with them. And the last thing that I wanted to mention to you that I think is extremely difficult for us is to trust Jesus with our money. Actually, through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses the reference of money more than anything else as he's beginning to teach about where our security is. And we live in a world that many of us feel rather secure when we have enough, whatever enough money is. And that's where God has a plan for our finances. It's not my plan. I didn't come up with it. God has a plan for our finances. And that is, is that we would give first to him. 10% of our income. And sometimes, like I said earlier, When God lays out his plan in front of us, we sit back and go, well, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't, I don't, I mean, really, God, look at my bills. Look at what I owe and look at what I make and how am I going to give 10% away? How am I going to write a check every month to the church and say, here's my tithe? But you're arguing with Jesus when you do that. I mean, really? God who owns the whole world, everything that we've ever owned, he gave it to us. We're going to argue with him about his plan for what we have. 
In the book of Malachi, it's one of those few things because I think God knew that this was going to be so difficult for us. He invites us to do this, to give and to give generously. He, but, but he says this, hey, test me on this. In Malachi 3, God says, test me and see if I won't pour out blessings from heaven on you as you tithe. Just test me. So today, if you have struggled with trusting Jesus with your financial resources. I want to invite you to do something that I did very early on, and that's to take 90 days. And over a period of 90 days, you commit to giving 10% of your income to Jesus. And at the end of that 90 days, all right, at the end of that 90 days, you come back and decide if it was worth it. And I'll even do this. If you come back and say, listen, I, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my entire life. I will make sure that we refund all the money you gave us. That's God's promise to you. That if you do that, he will take care of you. And it's a practical demonstration. You know what, God? I don't understand it. I don't. Doesn't make any sense to me. Right? But I'm going to give you the first 10%. I will speak to you as your pastor in just a moment. Okay? In the last year, my family has sacrifice so that we can do it. We've done that willingly. I promise you that the first check that I write every month is to this church. And we don't, we don't skimp on that. Like we're not just like pinching pennies in what we give. Like we give as much as we can afford to give. It's way beyond what would be considered a tithe. We just want to be generous because we trust God. It's not my money. Now, I would like to share a story with you. I'm, it's, I'm, I don't even know if I can get through this without crying um, because I kind of share in, in their story a little bit. But Jake and, and Christy, all over here, they're in the back. Uh, y'all want to stand up just for a second so everybody see how pretty y'all both are. Both, that's some pretty people, isn't it? <laughs> Jake and, and Christy, kind of in the same circumstance that Amanda and I uh, were a few years ago. They uh, have, have been praying for God to give them a baby for a long time. And, um, and they, they shared that with us very early on in, in their journey with us. And I know that uh, a few weeks ago, uh, like many people who have been in that circumstance, they had scheduled an, an appointment to go to a fertility clinic and have some, some checkups done. And they were going on Monday. And on Friday, Christy got a call from the doctor and she found out that she is indeed pregnant. And um, I think you're, what, like 10 weeks? Somewhere in there? 11 weeks right now. Uh, 
We, we see this stuff over and over and over again. That even when it doesn't begin to make sense in life, that Jesus' invitation is that we can follow him. He's good. He is worthy of our trust. And he will provide for all of our needs according to his riches. See, sometimes we don't get the journey. But Proverbs 3 invites us not to lean on our own understanding, but to rest in God's plan for us. There was a young boy. His name was David. And uh, he had childhood leukemia. He was diagnosed and uh, eventually through a great miracle, God healed him. But uh, he went through a a long series of treatments with a, a great doctor, Dr. John Truman, who's actually at, uh, I think it's uh, one of the New York hospitals in New York. And uh, they do such a good job nowadays with childhood cancer, thanks to places like St. Jude and people who have put a ton of research into that. And his mom was very close to him the entire time that he was in treatment. And she told him towards the end they had to perform a spinal tap. And based on the location of where the tap needed to be made, they weren't going to be able to use any anesthetic. And she told him, going into the procedure, it's going to be painful. It's, it's going to hurt. And um, the, the doctor recorded this event with three Nurses holding this boy down. He screamed out. Thank you for hurting me. Because he knew. He knew that that procedure. Was key. To him. Getting better. You know. In life. Like it doesn't mean. That living in. Security with Jesus. Just doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's going to make sense. But it does mean that I can walk through every circumstance knowing that I can fully trust Jesus. He's good. And even in the middle of pain and difficulty, even in the middle of wanting and longing for something that's not there, I can still find my security in him. So as we begin to wrap this up, let me just ask you this simple question. Are you willing to make Jesus your security? Are you willing to make Jesus your security? Because any other security is simply fleeting. Some of you in this room understand that your jobs can change in an instant. That your family and your health can just go south so quickly. But Jesus is faithful. Jesus is always faithful. And are you willing to place your security to find your security in him? Let's pray. God, today as we begin to wrestle with the notion that when we suffer with a little bit of fear, when these moments come that we feel 
a little broken, a little anxious, a little worried, when those things happen in life, God, when that stuff happens, it's just an invitation to make you the Lord over that area of our life. God, today as as we just kind of humbly bow, we, we want to reverentially just kind of ask you to be our security. God, Or there's a lot of other places that we could look and try to find our security. But today, God, I just really want us to look into your heart. So nobody looking around. Let me just ask a question. Every head bowed, eyes closed. Nobody stirring. Nobody moving. The question is, is Jesus your security right now? In your life, is your life resting under the Lordship of Jesus? Or maybe have you trusted Jesus with eternity but not with today? So today the invitation is to make Jesus the Lord over everything. And if you would like to do that, and you recognize, hey, you know what? I've been, I haven't done that because I have so much fear, worry, stress living in every area of my life. I recognize that I have not trusted Jesus fully. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? I see those hands. That's awesome. Amen. Anybody else in here that would say, I want to trust Jesus completely today? Awesome. That is amazing. So let me pray for those folks that just raised their hands. God, today, for those of us in this room that want to commit our lives to trust you completely, it's with great humility, God, that we stand before you and admit that we've blown it. We haven't done what you asked us to do. But through your grace and mercy today, God, release us to live in security, in a secure relationship with you because everything else may fall. We want to be standing with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.